All right, guys, it's about that time. Chris Brooks here with you on another edition of the Rebels 247 podcast, part of the 247 Sports Network and Inside the Rebels. Hope you guys are having a good day. I didn't come out right. I could redo that intro, but nope, not doing it today. Busy day, got a lot going on. Just going to go with it. Here on what is today? Anything special about today? We're about to find out. I mean, yesterday was Labor Day, so that feels like a a pretty good day. That's a pretty good day. Hopefully you guys took a break, uh, maybe got a nap, rested up after a big weekend. It's so good to have football to talk about and to watch on TV. Had another one last night, Clemson. A couple of takeaways from that game. What happened to Clemson? Either something happened to Clemson a couple of years ago, they're just not the same, or that Georgia Tech team is way better than I thought they were going to be. I'm thinking it's more Clemson, but I I don't know. Who knows? That's the great thing about college football. It's early in the year, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, there's a few things that are almost givens. I mean, Alabama has so many players, that's a given. Georgia has gotten to a place to where that's a given. I, they were unbelievable this weekend. After that, are there really any givens? Nobody. Not Ohio State, not Notre Dame, not fill-in-the-blank school. There aren't givens after those two schools. Clemson was that for a little bit, uh, but, man, they looked bad yesterday. Their quarterback struggled again, and I'm watching the game for Georgia Tech primarily, but it's hard not to pay attention to Clemson because they're fourth in the country. But Georgia Tech hung in that thing. Uh, We'll see what that means when Ole Miss matches up with Georgia Tech in a couple of weeks. It's National Read-A-Book Day. There you go. Should have made that on Labor Day. Like you should have have looked a little bit ahead here. And on on Labor Day, you should have read a book or got yourself some coffee, ice cream, that national day. There's your two for the day. All right, now a couple of things here. Real quick, I want to do some recruiting. So this is going to be a half-and-half show some recruiting, and some actual football team stuff. The first thing on recruiting, this new commitment this morning, um, Skylar Mann out of Georgia. Don't know much about him, to be honest, before I read that story. And that Steve Wiltfong had put out. Of course, David had that he was visiting this weekend, and Ole Miss has been recruiting him. And there, and you've seen some stuff you know, periodically come out, but we have, I don't think I've mentioned Skylar Mann's name once on here. Don't think I've mentioned it once on here. So whenever I see the commitment story coming from, from Wilt Fong, of course, then now I do the background check and start making phone calls and figure out who he is, um, exactly what he's good at, what's he being taken for, and you know how do we get here, that sort of thing. So anyway, long story short, this is what I know about Skylar Mann. We list him on our network, I think, at 6'3". We list him at 6'2", 205. I've seen him listed 6'3", 220. If you go by the huddle page of his own high school, they list him at 6'3", 205. Now, in a high school level, he's actually more productive as a tight end. And if you go back right now, his first or his most recent huddle video is mostly of him playing tight end. There's, he's at linebacker also, but he's playing tight end. Had seven touchdowns last year, had a solid season. 
not as many numbers in terms of the, the pure statistics on the defensive side of the ball, but he had them. But if you watch him, he's a long guy. You know, he looks lean. I could believe more the 205 than the 220. So you're talking about a, a tall guy, 6'2", 6'3", over 200 pounds. But one thing's obvious, he can run, which this makes sense. I was told at camp he was very, very impressive. So this is one of those basically a, a camp-type offer. Not that he hasn't produced already in high school because he has. But when these kids come to camp, and I think he came to camp in May. And uh, since May, they've been, you know, all over him. That's always not public because, you know, sometimes uh, that info is not out there as much. But since that time, they've been all over him. Now, why is that important? He is not a big prospect. You know, if you do just the pure numbers game, you know, it is what it is. On our network with 247, you know, we have him right now ranked as a three-star guy, 89th linebacker in the country, the number 100 player um, in Georgia. He had some power five offers. Florida State had offered him, but Florida State was taking him as a tight end. And I see that. When I watch the tape on as a tight end, like he he has skills. So that's not shocking at all. Georgia Tech had offered him. And then a lot of offers like your 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 Arkansas States, Tulane, uh, a bunch of those schools. So he had a couple of offers from the ACC and he had Ole Miss back in May when they had a chance to see him, but they just they liked him. One thing's obvious here, you know, when it comes to the recruiting game, I mean, they're going to take the players that they like. And that should be a given. You know, I shouldn't have to say that out loud for you to understand that. They evaluate players, take a look at them when they're on, on your film or when they can see them in person in a game. And then you bring them into camp, get another look at them. And with some players, their stock goes up like this dude. And with some players, stock can go down. And uh, they're going to take the ones that they think are the players. So this is not one that you're doing it for the rankings of it, the, the numbers of it. They just like him. And he's going to come in and play on the defensive side of the ball. I would guess he's going to be a linebacker. You know, some of that just depends on, on the kid and his body and what he turns into. I mean, who knows? Some of these guys come in here and they just blow up, you know, in terms of size and and wait, but he'll be on that side of the ball. But if you watch his film, not shocked, like I said, that Florida State had offered as a tight end because he looks good there too. He can run and he plays the game physical. It looks like a good blocker, those kind of things. But all that's just straight off video. So anyway, on, I can't tell you he's a good player. I can't tell you that because I have not seen him. You know, I say that about people that I see in person and do a, a lot of background checks on. You know, I like to talk to their high school coaches and get that whole. Preferably, I like to talk to the opposing high school coaches. Uh, but this is a prospect that the, the Ole Miss coaches liked a lot. So that's where we are with Skylar Mann. A couple of other things real quick on recruiting before I move on here. And that's half the podcast for Skylar Mann. They are bringing in, you know, kids first weekend. Um, this weekend, you'll have a couple of big 2024 guys. Everybody's paying attention to Dante Dowdell out of Picayune. Of course, he's committed to Oregon. I've seen some stuff on Twitter with his dad that's kind of going back and forth with fans. And, um, you know, I've never understood that. I've never understood that. I get that there's a 
there's a TMZ element to all of this. And, you know, you guys are, you're watching for where a kid's going. It's like, oh, what's he doing today? And over the years, it's not as much now as it used to be. What's he thinking today? What's he thinking this hour? Uh, the next hour, he's leaning somewhere else. Uh, what's he doing now? By midnight, it's completely changed, like the day before signing day, which is, it's not very believable. There's other things in play there. You're going back and forth on a deal. You know, this deal's better. This deal got better. But anyway, there's a, there's that aspect of this. And so when the rumor stuff starts on a play like Dante Dowdell, when the rumor stuff starts, man, we just, for some reason, some people just cling to it and they are 100% committed. If they've put it on a board or on Twitter or social media that, you know, I am right. Hey, look, he's going to flip. That's going to happen. And rather than look wrong and just say like, yeah, I had no, I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, and you end up with somebody arguing with his dad on Twitter. So anyway, that's kind of funny. And I haven't checked with his dad since I saw that. But they are recruiting, obviously, both of those guys. Um, Dante, they'll recruit till signing day as hard as they can. And you never know, like I said on the podcast yesterday, things change. But as of now, has not changed at all with that kid. Chris Davis, the next running back coming up at Picayune, completely different player, but very good player. Um, I can speak firsthand of him. I've seen him play like speed, speed, speed. He could play running back. I think somebody's probably going to turn him into a, a corner. I mean, he does that now, but everybody's going to pay attention to the touchdowns. But he's long and he's fast. So anyway, I could see him coming up and and being a corner, being a DB. He already has Division One offers, Power Five offers. He has a chance to be a big deal next year. But he's coming up. Uh, J.J. Harrell, I know, is coming up this weekend. That's an athlete out of North Panola. Um, if you watch his huddle, I haven't seen him in person, but I know his coach, Randall Montgomery, does a really good job for North Panola. Uh, Randall won a state cha championships back in the day at Hazelhurst. Was at Louisville for a while as an OC. I know there he was at Columbia for the head coach there. Was the head coach of, um, oh, man, now I feel bad. I'm drawing a blank. Good gosh, Chris. Cam Akers year, two running backs. One went to state and was really good. Getting old, you know what that's like? I mean, some of you do. Like, and I, that's a, I'm not going to Google it. I'm not going to cheat. He's with the Packers now. But that name, I can't bring it up. Can't get it. So I'm not going to cheat, not going to Google it. If it happens before the end of the podcast, I'll give it to you. But Randall was the head coach at, at Columbia um, when, when he was coming through there. And um, then won it at Louisville as an OC. And now he's the head coach at North Panola. That kid's an athlete. You can see on his film taking a, a punt return back for a touchdown. Really athletic guy. Another 2024. And in terms of recruiting, I think that's probably going to do it for today. I mean, there'll be a lot of other kids that are showing up this weekend. And that they'll, you know, roll out red carpet kind of stuff. Um, Skylar Mann was there, I think, last weekend on an official. And he really did get the full carpet. He didn't just come up for the game. You know, he visited and and I, I'm almost positive. That's off the top of my head too, but sometimes these names get mixed up. Uh, so anyway, we'll be watching that to see if maybe anything pops this week. You never know. Now on the, the team part of this, I don't know if there's a whole lot more to break down. I got into this a little bit yesterday, and this is kind of recruiting related. The pro football focus Highest graded players from week one. Quinshawn Judkins was the, the top of that. 
and Davis and Nick Benosum was number four. It's Judkins, Tennyson, uh, Kyrie Coleman, Davison, Igbenosin, and Ivy was was fifth. And then Finley, Brown, Young, Johnson, and Sistrunk round out that top ten. ton of transfers in there. That's relevant because with the strategy that they've taken in terms of recruiting and how many transfers they're bringing in, when you have that many guys, game one, seeing success, game one, why would you change what you're doing? Tennyson's your transfer, Coleman's one, Ivy comes in, Brown's one, Ashim Young's one. So half of these top 10 and five of the eight are all transfer guys. And these things are going to be indicators going forward. If it's working at that level and guys are coming in and they are having success early, you're not going to change what you're doing. Uh, but that was notable for the transfer part of that. And also Judkins, who I, I still can't believe looks like he looks this early but i'm happy for that guy because he's one of those you come across in the recruiting cycle and you get to know him a little bit you know just exchange a few messages he's not a mississippi guy so i didn't know him as well as a lot of these guys but super nice kid very polite easy to talk to and then had a chance to meet him a couple of times during the mississippi alabama stuff and uh, seemed top notch so anyway happy for him that he he's top of the heap uh, week one with the PFF grades. The other thing, real quick, we'll wrap up on. This 12-team playoff thing, I miss my radio show sometimes because, you know, I could get into a topic and just pontificate. You know, you could throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks, you know, just whatever opinion you have. Here's something I think people need to remember about the playoffs. Right now, there's only four, five, or six teams that matter. And that's not a good thing for the health of the sport. And I get the argument that, hey, why are we expanding to 12 when there's only four teams that we know really have a shot to win it anyway? I understand that. I get that line of thinking. It makes perfect sense. But that is the reasoning for expanding the thing. If the same four teams are winning it all the time, everybody after that, it gets very hard to support programs to the level that, that those top ones are. Because if you know you have no shot going into the year, it's hard to make improvements as a program. If you expand this thing to 12, yeah, earlier are some teams going to get beat? Yeah, of course. But you have, let's say, 20 teams that are involved start of the season, 20 to 25 with a legit shot to get in the playoff. I'd say it's 25. And then suddenly programs are excited about the season. There's a real shot, even if it's a minuscule shot. But at least it's something tangible. And the thought there is that hopefully by expanding it, not only is there more money, that's number one and really the only thing that matters. It's more money. Okay, stop, end of sentence. That's why they're going to do it. But something that could result positively out of that, yeah, I could see it helping these other schools become more competitive over time. If you're involving more, more fan bases are engaged. You know, those schools have better support. Uh, I think this is a good thing in the long run. Now, it, I don't think it'll change who's going to win it early, but upsets happen. But yeah, over time, I think it's going to end up being a good thing. I think it's a good thing. And just personally, as a fan, I like starting the season off thinking there's a chance. It's hard to engage when you know there's no chance. And there's way too many of those teams. All right, hey guys, that's going to do it for today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Go read a book. Read a book day.
This is Chris Brooks with the Rebels 247 Podcast and 247 Sports with Inside the Rebels. Always appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.